Good morning. Glad to be here today. Say amen. amen. And let me encourage you today. Make this a little different day today. As you uh, sit and sing with us and listen to the preaching today, we, we looked at this in our uh, Sunday school this morning about how to pr approach worship. Approach worship expecting God to do something. Approach worship uh, not thinking what this will do for me or I hope I enjoy this or uh, whatever that may be, whatever the distraction might be, or, or what's on Facebook today. Um, approach this circumspectly, as we talked about, a, a, a big word that just means consider the circumstances that you're in. Consider who God is. Consider who you are. Let, let's stand and sing higher ground. Two, three. Savior. 
I wanted to get baptized because to show people how I love Jesus so I can show you how you should love Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Uh, what a fantastic way for us to begin our time of worship today in celebration. Uh, we celebrate what baptism symbolizes, as you heard from Pastor Ben uh, so very clearly. New life in Jesus Christ. And praise be to God that that's exactly what he gives us. New life in Christ when we repent of sin and believe the gospel. We're so glad that you're here today and we look forward to together uh, engaging with one another in corporate worship. And we understand that what takes place here on Sunday mornings is so unique uh, from any other event that happens in the life of our week. Uh, we live out our faith every single day and we worship the Lord every single day in various ways. Perhaps we sing to Him in our cars as we're driving. Perhaps we uh, open our Bibles and com com commune with Him personally. But there's something unique that happens when we come together for worship is that we worship together. We encourage one another by the sound of our voices ringing out behind one another. We hear from God's word and we submit ourselves to his instruction. So we're excited for this opportunity today. Hey, do me a favor. If you are a guest of ours, if you can reach out into the pew in front of you, you'll find a uh, little card like this that says connection card on it. I invite you to take this out and complete the card so that we can have a record of your visit and to know how we can get to know you and your family better in the coming days. So if you'd help us out with that, I'd really appreciate it. Once you fill this card out, you can hang on to it. And then at the end of service, as you're heading out, you can just drop it in the offering basket. Uh, if you would prefer to do that digitally, you can do so. Inside of our bulletin on the upper left-hand side, simply scan the code that you'll see there. It will take you to a very similar form. And if you're watching online, you'll see in our welcome message as well, a code that you can scan or you can just go to our website at fbcparisky.com. 
also in those forms. And all three of those methods, you can also tell us how we can pray for you. So let us know of your participation with us today, or let us know how we can be praying for you this very week. And speaking of prayer, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father in heaven, we are so very thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, that before you created the world, long before we ever came along, you orchestrated a glorious plan of salvation for your people. But we need to be saved because of our sin. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes even when we're doing our very best to do the right thing, we fall short of your glory. And so we thank you for Jesus Christ who makes that possible. Thank you that he died for our sin, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that one day he's coming again. And so we pray this morning as we gather for worship, help us to center our hearts on what matters most in this life, which is the glory of your name and our surrender to you. And so we pray this morning as we sing, as we pray together, as we look to your word, that you would help us to have our focus in the right place, and that you would center our lives for every other hour that we have this week through what takes place here in this hour. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
desire for God to be praised is what drives us in our life, or at least it ought to be what drives us in our life, that the Lord would be praised through our own lives, but also that the Lord would be lifted high and glorified by others as well. So that's what pushes us. Uh, we want to spend a few moments in prayer now, and this week, as in every week, as we pray for various nations and various places around the world, that's our driving ambition. We recognize that there exist many places in the world where Christ is not known, or at least where he's not known very much. And so we desire for him to be known in all places, so that he would be praised in all places. You'll notice inside your bulletin on the left-hand side, our prayer focus for this week is Arroyo Seco. Arroyo Seco in Mexico is the location where our church has chosen to concentrate our missionary efforts. Uh, two years ago, we took a vision trip to get to know the area and to meet the national partners Esteban and Alejandra that we're working with. And then uh, in the very short order after that, COVID-19 came and we've been unable to go back. 
but we are making plans to return in 2021. You'll notice also in your bulletin two dates that we've selected for 2021. The idea is that this partnership, which is a partnership of our congregation and three other like-minded churches, is that four times a year we would be there in Arroyo Seco alongside of Esteban and Alejandra sharing the gospel of Christ. Uh, we hope that these teams will be small teams of about four to five people because to our knowledge there are only about eight to ten hotel rooms in Arroyo Seco and uh, we want to be sure that we get some of those. But there will be a diversity of activities going on across these trips and you'll notice those two dates for next year. One date is January the 3rd through January the 10th. A second date is April the 4th through April the 9th, which falls on spring break for Paris and Bourbon County Schools as well as for Scott County Schools. So it's a very uh, good time for all of the churches engaged in this partnership. So today we're going to pray for Arroyo Seco and for our uh, partners there. But I want to ask you to be doing something as well today and in the days to come. I uh, want you pray about your engagement and your involvement in taking the gospel to the nations. You can jump on a plane and within four hours of flight time you can be in a place where there are zero evangelical churches preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an incredible opportunity for us to engage with people and share the good news of Christ. So why not pray about being a part of one of these trips or of two other trips for uh, the next year that are coming in 2022. Let's pray together, church. God in heaven, we do bring praise to you today because you are worthy of praise. You are the eternal God who has always existed and who will always exist. You are. Father, you are holy, the one who is absolutely flawless in your character. You never make mistakes. You never do anything that is wrong. And so we acknowledge you as a great and holy God. We understand that you know all things. That knowing all things, you work for the good of your people. You keep your promises. And you are able to speak truth to us because you know everything. And so we come to you in praise today for who you are, the righteous, holy, and sovereign God, who even as you are exalted above all things, Lord, you are also mindful of your people. And so we give thanks today that you have remembered us in our lowly estate, and you made a plan, and you executed a plan. A plan that people from every tribe and nation and language in the world will be saved so that you will be glorified by peoples from all over the world. And so Lord, we rejoice in the wisdom and the beauty of what you have planned. We do pray today for our brothers and sisters in Arroyo Seco, Mexico. We pray especially for Esteban and Alejandra. And we pray, Father, that as they labor day in and day out in a very challenging place, as they gather this morning for worship with a very small number of people, we pray that while they continue to plow through difficult soil, that you would encourage their hearts. Lord, help them to see that what they are doing is part of your eternal plan to create a people for yourself in order for your name to be praised forever in heaven by all the peoples who ever uh, lived on earth. Someone from every different people group that exists on the earth. Encourage them with these notions and Lord, press them on in their ministry. 
Give them encouragement today as they gather with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, give them fruit for their labor. Help them to see people growing in their newfound faith in Christ for these few believers that have come to faith in Christ. We pray for unbelievers to turn from sin and believe in Jesus so that they too could be saved. Give Esteban and Alejandro the joy of leading others to faith in Christ and walking with them down the path of discipleship. We pray not only for encouragement, but we pray, Lord, for when difficulties come, that you would grant them steadfastness. Lord, help them always to remember that their labor in the Lord is not in vain. Father, as we pray about the engagement of our own church, help us to each as individuals consider how we ought to use our lives. Lord, you've entrusted resources to us. We have our time, we have our talents, we have our finances. Help us to use what you've entrusted to us for the cause of making Christ known across the world. Help us to be people who pray for foreign missions and foreign missionaries and unreached places. Help us to be people who leverage our efforts and our talents to make Christ known in our own neighborhoods and even across the globe. And Lord, help us to consider how you would want us to be engaged. We pray for each of the trips that will be taking place in 2022. We pray that you would populate those teams with people and that the gift sets of those teams would be exactly what is needed to accomplish what you hope to accomplish in Arroyo Seco this year. We look forward to that day when we can be there in person again. And Lord, even for those who perhaps will never be able to be there in person, we look forward to that day when as we gather around the throne of Christ in heaven, we will be worshiping alongside of brothers and sisters who became brothers and sisters because of the faithful missionary efforts of this and other like-minded congregations. But we also pray for one of our sister churches closer to home today, for First Baptist Church on 8th Street. We give thanks for Pastor John and for his faithfulness to proclaim the gospel message. We pray, Lord, as he does so today, that you would fill him with your spirit, empower him in such a way that he remains tethered to the text of Scripture, to say what you have said, and to explain it well to his people. Lord, we pray that as he does, you would work in the hearts of every church member hearing and build them up for the work of ministry. Lord, we pray for their gospel to every home efforts as they uh, endeavor to, to come alongside of our church and other like-minded churches to share the gospel of Jesus with others. We pray that you would give them laborers for that work and we pray that those laborers would be diligent in what takes place in the coming days. Father, now for our own hearts, as we look to Scripture, we pray that you would speak to us, give us insight into what you have said, and Lord, may our insight into what you have said be matched by obedience to do what you have spoken. We ask this together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, grab your Bibles and let's turn together to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter number 24. If you don't have a Bible with you, no problem this morning. You can reach out into the pew in front of you and find one there. You are welcome to access that. You know, it seems to me that there is a desire that runs through humanity. A desire that seems to be for us almost universal. So the, the desire to be part of something that matters or something that makes a difference. For many of us, that's why you chose to do whatever it is you have done with your life. 
You wanted to make a difference in your family, so you took this job so that you could support them. Or you wanted to serve others, and so you took this job in this realm or in that area of life so that you could impact others and be part of something bigger than yourselves. That's why we love sports so much, and that's why you've been watching the Olympics so much over these past two weeks. Uh, about three or four times a day over the last two weeks, I'll take out my phone and I'll open up that tab that I have in my Chrome web browser and I'll hit refresh and I'll look at the medal count again and I'll see who's got the most medals. And throughout most of the games, the U.S. has been tracking significantly ahead in the medal count. But it's been the gold medal count where we've been lagging behind the Chinese. All the way up until this morning. This morning I pulled it up and I hit refresh and I punched it up and there it was, the U.S., 39 gold medals, China, 38 gold medals. Listen, there's only one thing in this world that'll make you want to watch men's diving when they're from China and Great Britain is when you don't want the Chinese to win so that the Americans can get more gold medals. We, we think like that because we love to be part of something bigger than ourselves, our community, and our nation, as proud citizens of this great nation. We want to see the big picture and how we can be a part of it. We come to Luke chapter 24 today, and in Luke chapter 24, Jesus gives us what we might call a big picture view. Jesus gives us insight into the big picture of the Bible and what it's actually all about in the midst of all of the smaller narratives of Scripture, how they are portraying for us one grand narrative. And it gives us insight into what that is and how we might participate in and be a part of something bigger than ourselves by engaging with him in what all of the Bible is driving towards. Here's what we see this morning. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the point of all of the scripture and we have the power to proclaim that gospel. Let's look to God's word together today. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 47. Here's what we read. I'm sorry, verse 44. Chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. See the big picture? The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the point of the whole Bible. In Luke chapter 24, what we have recorded for us is one of the resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. At this point in his earthly ministry, he has died for our sin, he was buried, he rose again, and now he's appearing to the disciples. He has a message that he desires to give them. He wants to teach them something, and then he wants to give them a commission. In this first set of verses, we see his teaching. Oftentimes in uh, the ministry of Jesus, as he's engaging with the disciples, we see that the disciples, not too altogether different from you and I, 
The disciples were slow to grasp and understand certain truths that Jesus wanted them to see. And so he brings things back up. Notice where verse 44 starts. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. In other words, Jesus has already had this discussion with his disciples. But he's going to have it again because it is significant and he wants them to understand. What's the conversation? It's about the point of the entire Bible, which in the days of Jesus, as he speaks these words, refers to the Old Testament. What is the point of the Old Testament and for that matter, the New Testament? Well, Jesus speaks and he says it. Verse 44, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Notice what Jesus is doing here. He mentions three categories of the Old Testament. The Hebrew Bible is structured and ordered differently than our English Bibles. And he mentions the three major sections in the Hebrew Old Testament. The first is uh, the Law of Moses, those first five books. Then he mentions the prophets, which in the Old Testament would be understood from Joshua through Malachi, this section of the, what they would call the former prophets and the latter prophets. And then at the very end of the Old Testament come what Jesus refers to here as the Psalms. The Psalms was used more generally in those days to refer to Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, Job, Song of Solomon. And these books were not in the middle of the Old Testament like they are in our Bibles, but they were located there at the end of the Hebrew Old Testament, which is why Jesus mentions it last. So he takes these three major sections of the Old Testament, he mentions them, and he says, hey, everything written about me in these three sections has to be fulfilled. When he refers to these three major sections, the idea that he's getting at is, hey, these three major sections are all about me. There's the hint here, the implication that all of the Old Testament is actually about me. But if we scroll back up in chapter 24 and look just a little bit earlier, the words of Jesus are even more clear. Notice chapter 24, verse 27. Here, Jesus is in a different resurrection appearance. He's talking to just two disciples who are unnamed. They're going on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus has this same explanation to them. You can actually back back up to verse 25 and get a full context of what he's saying. So Luke 24, beginning in verse 25. Jesus and he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Notice that phrase in verse 27. He interpreted to them in how many of the scriptures? All the scriptures. Those things concerning himself. So Jesus in his resurrection is teaching the disciples, hey, the Old Testament, the whole thing is about me. All of the Bible points towards the Lord Jesus Christ. All of them, the whole Bible. Back later in the chapter where we're focusing today, verse 45, then Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Something happens here. There's a 
interpretive key that Jesus gives to the disciples. And as they begin to see, hey, the Bible is about Jesus, their minds are opened to understand the scriptures. That's how we should read the Bible. Look, when you're reading the Bible, even when you're reading the Old Testament, and even when it's a bit challenging sometimes to figure out what in the world is this passage about, our first question should never be, what does this passage teach me about me? Or how does this passage apply to my life? Instead, we should be asking a different question. You get to that question and eventually you discover uh, the interpretation for your life. But there's a more fundamental question that has to come first. If what Jesus is saying is accurate, and it is, then we discover that all of the Bible is about Jesus. And so our first question as we read the Bible in both Testaments is, what does this passage teach me about Jesus? And from there, we press on. All of the Bible is about Jesus, and when we read it, we should read it that way. A couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to take our kids to kids camp, our elementary school kids. Uh, and uh, hey, some of Pastor Ben and Miss Kayla's family are here. Some of you guys are part of Rosemont Baptist Church. So Pastor Eddie is the pastor at Rosemont Baptist Church in Lexington. He was our camp pastor. And uh, one of the sermons was about David and Goliath. He preached on David and Goliath. Well, the next day, uh, we're walking down the sidewalk, and uh, I think Ben and Drew and I were there together. And as we're walking down the sidewalk, we see a group of 10-year-old boys throwing rocks at each other. And uh, so I leaned over to Pastor Ben. I said, hey, they're just trying to apply God's word to their lives. But really, if the Bible is all about Jesus, then how do you take a narrative from the Old Testament like David and Goliath and, and interpret it through the words of Jesus here? There's a big question here as we interpret a famous passage like this. You know, we might be tempted to think, hey, if I can be brave and courageous like David, well, then I can slay all of the giants in my life. And that's the most common interpretation of the passage. Now, that may be a fair point of application, but if the Bible is indeed all about Jesus, well, then that's not the best interpretation of that passage of Scripture, though, is it? If the Bible is all about Jesus, then the question that we should ask ourselves is, well, how does the narrative of David and Goliath point us to the Lord Jesus? And as we think this and our wheels begin to turn, we can discover, well, you know, David and Goliath and David's triumph there was about the Lord beginning to establish David as the king of Israel. It was after this that people would say, hey, David, he slayed his ten thousands and Saul slayed his thousands. David's fame begins to grow. Eventually, David is king. And while he's king, David gets the promise Hey, David, from your family, there will be a king who reigns forever on the throne. Well, everybody that descended from David's family in the normal order, well, they all kicked the bucket, didn't they? Solomon, Rehoboam, and on down the line, they all died. But there was a king who came from the family of David who lives forever. And Luke chapter 1 explains for us, this is King Jesus who ascended or descended from the family of David, came to earth... ...as this king who refers and fulfills the promise that God gave to David. And so David and Goliath is perhaps most about God establishing David as king... 
giving him this promise he will have a descendant who will reign forever and that descendant being the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you read your Old Testament and you're asking yourself how do I understand how this points me to Jesus? Well try to get to one of three figures. Try to get to Abraham or Moses or David. And if you can get to Moses or Abraham or David you can pretty quickly get to Jesus through the promises that he gave to them. The Bible's about Jesus, not about us. And we need to think about it that way. So this is the post-resurrection lesson for the disciples. They're getting it from Jesus. But Jesus continues. And as he's telling them, hey, the point of the whole Bible is about me. Well, then Jesus begins to get quite a bit more specific as it goes on. Notice back to the text in verse 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see, not only is the Bible about the Lord Jesus, but the Bible is more specifically pointing us to the death and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. One thing that I find very interesting is that as Jesus gives this statement to the disciples, he's not quoting from a particular passage. We might think about something like Isaiah chapter 53, which speaks so clearly to the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus, but he doesn't do that. Jesus is just painting the, the big picture for us here. Hey, the entirety of the Bible, Old and New Testament, which would follow, is about the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died as he suffered for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, necessitating a response from us. Necessitating this message that there would be told, the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins and of repentance in all nations. The death of Christ and his resurrection is without question the most seismic event in the history of humanity. Such a major happening that it demands a response from every man, woman, boy and girl living on the face of the planet. Jesus says this is what the Bible was pointing to. The proclamation of the call to repentance and forgiveness of sin that are realized through my death and resurrection. And notice where it happens. It happens in a place that we might call uh, local. It happens... Local, as Jesus says here as he speaks from Jerusalem, beginning in Jerusalem. But it goes out globally and to all the nations. It's a proclamation that must be made. It begins locally and extends out to every nation and people in the world. This is what the whole Bible is pointing to. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. Hey. We need to have ears to hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying the whole Bible points this direction. So the question that we ought to ask ourselves is that if the gospel of Jesus is the point of the whole Bible, do I get it or have I missed it? Has there been a time in your life when you surrendered your heart to the Lordship of Christ, recognizing what he's talking about here, that all the Bible is pointing to the death of Christ for your sin, his burial showing that he was really dead, and his resurrection proving that he really can forgive sin? Have you surrendered your life to this message? Have you really given over your heart to Christ and answered this call that is a call to 
repentance. Do you see the word in verse 47? That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now, some of us can get on board with this idea of the forgiveness of sin. Well, sure, everybody wants their sin to be forgiven. But notice the road that forgiveness runs on. It's the road of repentance. Without repentance, without turning from our sin and turning to the Lord Jesus in faith, there is no forgiveness of sin. And in fact, our willingness to repent is what gives evidence that we have been the recipient of the forgiveness that is offered to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Has there been a time in your life when you did that? You willfully turned from your sin and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or have you just been dabbling around with Christianity? Listen, the Lord Jesus, because he is the exalted Lord of everything, calls you not to dabble with him or not to have an interest in him or not to have a mental acknowledgement of him, but he calls you to repent of sin and humble your lives before him. If you've never done so, Do so today. Repent of sins, believe in the gospel, and do it because when you do, you will be saved for all of eternity. And this big picture that the Bible is pointing to, you have the opportunity to come in and be a part of the story of how God is glorified by people coming to repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus must be proclaimed so that repentance and forgiveness of sin can come. But... Who is it that is supposed to proclaim this gospel? This is the point of all of the scripture. But who is it that is to do the proclaiming? Well, the answer is you and I are the ones who are to do the proclaiming. This proclamation, which is the point of all of the Bible, is to be proclaimed by us. And the good news for us is that we have the power to do it. Let's keep reading here in this text. Luke chapter 24. Notice verse 48. Jesus has said what must happen. Now he says how it's going to happen. Verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Who are the witnesses for Christ? You and I are the witnesses that Christ has commissioned. Notice his words as he issues them first to this group of 11 remaining disciples after the defection of Judas. He says, you are witnesses of these things. A witness is someone who observes a reality and testifies to that reality in a public setting of some sort. That's what the disciples were to be doing. The disciples were the witnesses of the death and resurrection of Jesus. They witnessed his arrest. They witnessed, some in part and from a distance, his crucifixion. They witnessed his resurrection. In fact, right now in this scene, as Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things, they are in this very moment witnessing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, hey, you know this is true. It's the point that the entire Bible has been pointing to. You know that it is a true reality, not a fictitious story, but a historical narrative rooted in truth because you're witnessing it right now. And you are to be my witnesses. 
Remember last week in chapter 5, we were looking in Luke's gospel, chapter number 5, and Jesus said, hey, I have a mission. I have come to call sinners to repentance. I've come to those who are sick, and I'm here to be a physician for them. But Jesus is shifting the mission now, isn't he? He's resurrected. He's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And so now he takes this mission which was entrusted to him and he passes the mission on to his disciples. Now he says, it's no longer my mission, it is your mission. You are witnesses of these things. It was true for the eleven. It was true for the full number of early Christians, that full number of 120 Christians who were gathered together on the day of Pentecost. They would share in this mission and the mission comes down to you and I even today. We who remain as disciples of Jesus Christ have the same responsibility and we must speak up about it. But... Yet speaking up for Christ can be for us one of the most intimidating things that we encounter in our lives. How is it that we can rightly explain the most significant thing in the history of the world? How is it that we, limited as we are, without all the information we'd like to have, without all of the skill and the abilities that we would like to have, how can we take this most central message to which all of Scripture points and proclaim that message to others. Well, the disciples had the same problem, didn't they? We read about their foolishness in the Gospels. We understand that they had these same issues that we have. But there is good news. Notice what Jesus says to them in verse 49 again. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power... From on high. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus has just said, You are my witnesses, but now he says, Wait a minute. Wait until you receive the promise. If you go back to Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist spoke about this promise. John the Baptist said, hey, there's coming a day. I'm baptizing you in water, but there's coming a day when you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, hey, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. In the book of Acts, chapter number 1, it is a parallel narrative to what we are reading here in Luke chapter 24. Luke wrote both books and he ended Luke and began Acts in the same place. Acts gives us some more insight into exactly what Jesus is talking about here. There he told them also to wait in the city. And he said specifically, hey, when you wait, eventually the Holy Spirit is going to come. He will empower you for witness. And when he does, you will be my witnesses in a local fashion, beginning in Jerusalem, going to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. You will be clothed with power from on high. And that's how the story unfolds, isn't it? At the end of the Gospels... As Jesus has risen, but the disciples are still frightened, what we read about at the end of the Gospels is that Jesus is going around and appearing to them and others, but yet the disciples are hiding in a locked room, petrified that they might be the next victims of crucifixion. 
But all that changes as the book of Acts unfolds. The Holy Spirit comes in chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit of God fills every single believer. Peter stands up and boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people come to saving faith in Jesus. What's the difference between Peter in Acts chapter 2 and Peter in John chapter 20 when he's with the other disciples hiding in a locked room? Well, the difference is what Jesus says right here in verse 49. He says, hey, wait a minute until you are clothed with power from on high. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God came down to dwell in the hearts of believers and they were clothed with power from on high. So hear what Jesus is saying to the church today. You are clothed with power from on high. We are those who ought to proclaim the message of Jesus. And even though we find it intimidating and challenging and often at times very, very difficult, the truth remains that we are clothed with power from on high. The Spirit of God, at the moment you repent of sin and believe in the gospel of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of you and you are empowered as a witness for Jesus. But yet... So many of us would choose to be like the disciples on the other side of Acts chapter 2. Waiting. Waiting for power to come to us. Waiting for the perfect opportunity. Waiting to learn just a little bit more information. Waiting, waiting and waiting all the while someone's heart is growing colder to the gospel of Jesus and they are inching ever closer to the end of their life. But here we are waiting rather than witnessing of the resurrection and death of Christ for the forgiveness of sin that calls all people everywhere to repent. Church, the time to wait is past. We live on the other side of Acts chapter 2. You have been clothed with power from on high. And you are a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the winter of 1982, Air Florida Flight 90 crashed in the frigid waters of the Potomac River early one morning. And as the plane crashed down, it happened very close to a, a city park as people were there watching and a large crowd gathered around to observe the wreckage and see what was happening. And as the crowd began to look out into the river and see what was taking place, they noticed rather quickly there was a survivor to this plane crash. And the survivor was there uh, flailing around and struggling to survive in this frigid water. One man who was there watching that day was named Martin Skutnik. Martin noticed the survivor and he jumped into the water and went out there after her. And he dragged her uh, back to the shore and saved her life. You know, that day as Martin looked out across those frigid waters, he could have seen all kinds of obstacles that would stop him from jumping into that water. After all, he might end up struggling just like she was. Or it could be that he could have looked at his own credentials and said, you know, I don't think I'm really the best candidate to be the one to rescue that woman. I mean, he wasn't a lifeguard and he did not have the technique of an Olympic swimmer. He didn't know how to give CPR. He was just a low-level office worker who lived in a rented townhouse with his wife and two children. He could have said, somebody else can take care of that. But that's not what Martin said. 
He jumped into the water and that day he became a hero. You and I have the opportunity to become a hero. Maybe not one who would be well known. But one who can be a hero to someone by rescuing them from the penalty of their sin. By sharing with them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been clothed with power from on high. You have all that is necessary for you to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have trusted in Christ, then you have experienced the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else do we need to stand as faithful witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ? So let's stop waiting Recognize our position in history. The time is not to wait, but rather the time is to witness. This is the plan of Jesus Christ. Our role is to stop waiting around and start sharing Jesus. Would you bow with me this morning, church, as we humble our hearts before the Lord and just think for a couple of moments about how we ought to respond. And isn't it really quite obvious today how we ought to respond to ...this passage of scripture. Let me challenge you towards a couple particular responses. First, understand the gospel of Jesus Christ... ...as the point of the entirety of scripture. For you to be saved from sin and to have eternal life... ...the message is... ...repentance of... Sin. Have you ever repented of your sin and turned toward the Lord Jesus Christ? Look, there's a big difference between being interested in Jesus and surrendering your life to Him. It's the difference between heaven and hell. Be sure that you're on the right side of the equation. If you've never trusted in Christ, then could today be the day for you? The day where you surrender to the Lordship of Christ and begin to walk with Him in obedience. Where you really believe that Jesus died for sin, that He was buried, that He rose again. Where you believe it so much that you're willing to take action and change your life. Look, the only way that happens is if God Almighty is at work in your heart. So if the Lord is working in your heart today, calling you to turn from sin and calling you to follow after Jesus then let's let today be the day. For those of us who have already followed after Jesus, do you really believe that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? Do you really believe that you have been clothed with power from on high? Do you really believe that you can faithfully share the gospel of Christ with others even if you can't speak as well as you wish you could, even if you don't know as much as you wish you did, even if the opportunity is not quite right, do you believe that the Spirit of God can empower you as a witness for Christ in spite of that? We need to believe that. We need to stop waiting around as our culture drifts farther and farther away from the gospel of Christ. We need to stop waiting around while our church continues to age. We need to get serious about the gospel and start witnessing for Jesus. 
Perhaps you're here this morning and the Lord has impressed upon your heart the need for you to join this church, to be a church member here at First Baptist Church in Paris. If so, you can express your interest in doing so today. You, you can begin to live out your life on mission with us. In just a moment, we're going to stand and have a time of invitation. As we do, I'll be down front to receive you and our steps will also be open for you to come and pray. Pastor Ben is also going to be available just off to the side of this main worship gathering room. You can go and meet with him if you'd like in a setting that's a little more private and in a setting that allows for social distancing. So as we sing, respond to the Lord as he impresses upon your heart this very day. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. And press us towards faithful obedience to be your witnesses. But first, Lord, towards surrendering to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand today as we sing and respond to the preaching of God's word together. Pray with me, church. But thank you for the opportunity to be known by you, to be seen by others as someone who is known by you. 
Help us to avail ourselves of that opportunity and glorify your name by so doing as we live and speak as your witnesses. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So it is time for our opportunities of service, and we have several opportunities for you. Uh, as I've said before, you know, if you've done the Henry Blackaby study, experiencing God, one of the best ways to experience God is to serve God and to put yourself in His work. You know, it, it makes you depend on His Holy Spirit. So uh, in that, I want to encourage you to, to think and pray about some of our opportunities that we have. Um, so first of all, our choir is back. We are bringing that back. Um, as long as we're allowed to. So uh, if you are interested in singing and, and praising the Lord and you want to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, even if you think, I can't sing or hold the tune in the bucket, uh, Pastor Mark, he's a trained man. He's got the education. He's got the know-how, and he can, he can get you there. You can do it. That's right. <laughs> so uh, don't let anything stop you. Uh, just if you have that heart to sing and praise the Lord, then... Uh, and seek him out, and he would gladly uh, have you join the choir with him. Yeah. Also, we will be um, doing a packing party Wednesday, this Wednesday, on August the 11th for our Gospel to Every Home project. We're going to be packing bags to take out to each of the homes in Bourbon County. Uh, so we're working together. If you've been, if you're familiar with Gospel to Every Home, we're working together with all with several churches in the community. Uh, to spread the gospel to every home in Bourbon County. And so as a part of that, we're asking that you come on Wednesday uh, and help us at 6.30, pack all those bags together so that we can get those door-to-door. Also, uh, tonight is our evangelism training, uh, continuing that gospel to every home training, preparing our hearts and our minds for uh, what's to come with that. That'll be at Central Baptist Church this evening at 6.30, so we'd love to see you there and learn about how to serve the Lord and, and uh, being encouraged and how to spread the gospel. Um, also, our visiting days for Gospel to Every Home, where we're going to start handing out those uh, bags, that is August the 14th, that is uh, a Sunday, or Saturday, sorry. We're going to start those on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Mondays at 6.30 p.m. So if you have one of those days work out for you, or if both of those days work out for you, great. Join us, and uh, we'll be meeting here at the church. Get your bags, and we'll go out to the designated streets to pass those out. If neither of these times and days work for you, then uh, we will gladly hand you a stack of, of bags, and you can hand them out on your own time at a designated area as well. So uh, we know we got a lot of people that like to walk and like to get out. The weather's been pretty beautiful, so... Uh, Take advantage of it, and if, if this works for you, let us know. If you have any questions about that, you can see Pastor Kyle, and he would love to explain anything there for that. That is all of our opportunities of service for today. We're going to let Brother John Tubbs close us in prayer. You'll bow your heads right now and let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to come to this church and to uh, praise your name. Let us continue to do that at home, out on the streets, and to people maybe that haven't heard it, Lord. 
We thank you for this church. We thank you for our leaders in this church. We want to continue to grow and be uh, beacons of light for those who do not know you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.